is a whole lot of missionaries singing called to serve. And this is Stacy Julian with episode 74 of Exactly Enough Time. This is a podcast about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have to enjoy the people, places, and things important to you. Did you know we can choose to be curious and playful, to live with intention and to create connection? I am a life enthusiast and a storyteller. I interview interesting people and I talk to them about what they do and why they do it. Listen up. I think you'll find inspiration for living your life and telling your story because you have exactly enough time. So you guys, if there was an anthem for missionaries, young missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it would be the song called to serve. I trained as a missionary 30 years ago. I entered what's called the MTC Missionary Training Center in Provo, Utah in 1986. And I still remember the thrill of standing up with a thousand plus other young people and singing that song. I kid you not, it's electrifying. To be quite honest, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about some aspect of my time in Germany as a missionary. And the emphasis in our home over the last several months, and particularly with great intensity over the last three or four days, has been preparing my youngest son of four to also serve or begin serving um, as a missionary. My third son, Trey, actually came home unexpectedly about six months early from his mission to Mexico because of COVID-19. So with all of this going on, I thought, why not invite my listeners to put on their curiosity cap and listen in on a conversation with me and my sons, Trey and Taft. Missionary work and missionary service is such a fascinating part of our religious culture. I actually solicited some questions via social media. And so together we're going to share some experiences and thoughts and do our best to answer some of those questions. Listen and enjoy. Okay, this is gonna be fun. I'm sitting in the same room with my recently returned missionary, Trey, and my soon-to-be, as in tomorrow, future missionary, Taft. Mm -hmm. Okay, you guys, I'm gonna start with just some quick basics, all right? I looked this up in the dictionary, Oxford Dictionary. By definition, a missionary is just a person who is sent on a religious mission especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign country. And did you know that at the end of 2019, there were over 67,000 full-time proselyting missionaries serving in more than 100 countries, speaking more than 50 different languages. It's awesome, huh? Missionaries receive an assignment from church headquarters. It's a big deal to open this assignment, right? And it's a... Mm -hmm. It's, there's a lot of anxiety and excitement involved, and, and generally there's a really good confirming feeling of like the spirit, right? You read it and you just yeah. feel like, oh, that's for me. Definitely. Yeah. 
Um, it is good to note that the church only sends missionaries to countries where the government allows the church to operate. Um, so everything is always on the up and up. And prior to going to their assigned areas, uh, missionaries spend a short period of time at one of ten missionary training centers throughout the world. The largest missionary training center, or MTC, is in Provo, Utah, adjacent to the campus of Brigham Young University. Okay, so as of July 1st, 2020, there will be 399 missions. And a mission, you guys, is simply a geographical area of the world. So for example, in the country of Brazil, there are 34 different missions. Mm -hmm. And we just had our neighbor across the street, Ethan, received his missionary call to um, one of the 22 missions in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. So, okay, Trey. That's my introduction. You introduce yourself. Perfect. Uh, my name is Trey. I'm 21 years old, and I just uh, recently returned from a mission in uh, Hermosillo, Mexico. And so that was a very cool opportunity that I had. It's interesting. My mom kind of mentioned uh, the largest MTC or missionary training center is in Provo, Utah, and the second largest is in Mexico City. Um, and so I got a, a cool experience during my missionary training because I was able to do half of my training in Provo and the other half in Mexico City. So that was kind of fun. Um, and for those of you who don't know, my mission was uh, Mexico Hermosillo, which is the state of Sonora right below Arizona. And it's actually uh, one of the largest, second largest state in Mexico. It's just all desert, very, very hot temperatures uh, kind of year round. Um, but I loved it. I had so much fun there. That's awesome. Okay, and just real quick, the reason you did Provo in Mexico City, I think your visa wasn't in, is that right? You were waiting for your visa? Yeah, so it was a visa, yeah. So you were supposed to go to Mexico there. City. They sent you to Provo while they waited for your visa. Once it came through, then they... Yeah, exactly. So I obviously spoke Spanish. I was in Mexico. And uh, normally, not all the time, but normally if you're going to speak Spanish, they'll send you to the Mexico City MTC just yeah. so you get more of um, kind of uh, immersed yeah, in the language, I yeah. guess. And so Training. that's part of, uh, you know, how we're able to learn the language so fast is we really do right off the bat get very immersed into the language. Um, but obviously I, I did first half of my training in Provo, which was also really great. And by the way, the very cool thing about Provo is that there are... You know, when you're in Mexico City, it's kind of, it's all Spanish speaking. And so all the missionaries there are going to Mexico or some other part of Central America, South America. Um, but in Provo, the missionaries are going to literally all over the world. And so it was a really, really cool experience just to meet so many missionaries from different backgrounds and who were speaking, who spoke and who were learning to speak so many languages. And so it was so, so cool just to be immersed in this place, in this training center um, just completely surrounded by languages that I didn't recognize, that I didn't right. even know existed, and just people. It was very cool. A lot of kind of cool culture there. So Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, Taft, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Okay. Tell us where you're headed. Uh, I was called um, to Lima, Peru, the Lima, Peru East Mission. And they, it just says East because there's also Lima, Peru North, and Lima, Peru South, and Lima, Peru West. Uh, and wow. so I'm Lima, Peru East, and it's a little part of, Lima is the capital of Peru, and it's a little part of the city, and then it's a lot of just sort of the Andes Mountains, like going off to the east of Lima. 
Um, but that was in February. Um, and then, as you all know, um, things kind of got crazy in March. And uh, Peru ended up closing its borders, as most countries did. <clears throat> and so right now, I am going to start training tomorrow. And in my call, it said I was going to the MTC in Peru, in Lima, Peru. Um, and that is now not happening. So an interesting thing is with all, um, with the virus and everything, uh, a lot of people will be doing training from their own homes yeah. um, through Zoom or um, just sort of like a Skype system. Yeah. Um, and so that's what I'll be starting tomorrow. And so... Um, and I'll interject here real quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Having put three missionaries on the airplane and saying goodbye. I'm okay. I'm okay that your training has been tweaked in this way. I'm excited because yeah. I feel like I get to be a fly on the wall, you know, in the house and I get to watch this happen. And I know how, uh, how special that training period is and how much you learn. It's like mind yeah. blowing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I'm kind of sad for you because, you know, we, we have had oh. varying experiences with that, with that training um, in different locations, but um, and I know you would have had an amazing experience in Peru, but this will be interesting. Sure. It's such a unique but, yeah, time. I think, so. I think, yeah, I'm I'm the most introverted of all my brothers, and so I think this is <laughs> this is probably a very good thing for me to get a slow start. Oh, I love it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really I, I I think it's this is very good, and yeah. Okay, so I mentioned that we uh, we had some questions um, through social media, so. Um, Sue just said, I'm fascinated with the Mormon faith culture and, you know, and particularly this culture of missionary work. So I do want to just clarify really quick. So we're often called Mormon and that comes from the title of the Book of Mormon. Mormon was actually a prophet historian that kept records um, and the book, then that, those records became the Book of Mormon. It's another testament of Jesus Christ. It's similar uh, to the Bible in that it testifies of Jesus Christ and shares his teachings. But does not replace the Bible. That's what we love about it is yeah, we definitely believe in the Bible and it's so, so important to us and we believe mm -hmm. it to be the word of God. Um, but we love the Book of Mormon because it completely complements the Bible and works together to bring us a more um, full understanding and um, knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, I love it. Just to clarify there, it does can not you tell replace who, the Bible. Can you tell who the recently yeah. returned missionary is? <laughs> I'm sitting over here like, yeah, that sounds cool. And Trina's like, let me give you the missionary. <laughs> here we go, number one. Well, and Taft's like, I can't wait till that rolls yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. No, it is. It really is just so important yeah. for me to have people understand that because I think a lot of, that is part of the confusion um, that comes with kind of our culture is that I think a lot of people do think that the Bible is replaced by our Book of Mormon, right? Which is completely not true at all. Yeah. We love the Bible. I love reading the Bible, and I definitely know it is so true. And I know also that the Book of Mormon is true and is the Word of God. And it works so perfectly with the Bible to help us understand more fully the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> I know that's kind of funny. And, that's okay, awesome. Anyways. No, it's awesome. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> So I just, I just wanted to clarify that that is a nickname. We're very often called Mormons, and that's because of the title of the Book of Mormon. Um, but we consider ourselves Christian for sure because we well, believe in the obviously. Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the official name. And I just wanted to introduce um, the rest of our discussion with that. So, okay, boys. 
Mm-hmm. I have some questions for you, and I'm just going to read them, and you can take turns um, just commenting if you want to. So the first one is from Nanek, is her um, handle on Instagram. She says, as a non-LDS, I'm curious and fascinated how they, i.e. missionaries, learn a foreign language in 12 weeks. So I'll let you talk, Trey. I'll talk a little bit because I also served a foreign-speaking mission. I went to Germany. But you go. Tell me what you think. Yes, good question. I would also like to know how it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) No, so um, honestly, it's so, so crazy, and it does blow my mind. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, it's definitely the key is the immersion. Mm -hmm. We are thrown into a foreign country (laughs) um, with very, very little training. Actually, my brother Taft is going to do a very good job because he did uh, study Spanish a lot in high school and he took some college classes too. So he actually knows a lot of Spanish and he'll pick it up really, really quickly. But I, going into the mission, did not know (laughs) any Spanish. I knew maybe hola (laughs) or, you know, just the little words that we all, I think, know. And I, at first, was so, so, so lost and just, oh, it was so hard. I cannot explain um, so I'm going to just, I do want to just kind of mention two, two things that I think really, really help and are key to these missionaries, young people being able to learn languages so quickly. First thing is hard work. So we get immersed into this country, thrown in, we have no idea how to speak the language, and we are surrounded by people who do not speak English, and we kind of just have to learn. And that takes hard work and a lot of study. Um, and kind of in my own experience... The Spanish did not come easily to me. Um, And so I definitely had to work very hard at it. And I remember my first month, probably, yeah, probably my first month in the mission, I was just the whole time like, okay, I'm going to do it. I I, I suck at Spanish. I don't understand anyone. No one understands me, but it's fine. I'll be okay. And then towards the end of that month, I did start getting, not depressed, but I definitely was like, this sucks. Discouraging. It can be very <laughs> discouraging. Yeah. I'm so discouraged. Yeah. I cannot express my feelings. And the other thing is too, as missionaries, we're always with a companion. My first companion that I had in the mission was from Costa Rica. And he didn't, obviously, he didn't speak English. And so it was so hard just being around someone, but not being able to... Tell them how you're feeling, tell Mm -hmm. them I'm worried about this, or ask them for help, anything like that. Obviously, I could do the very, very basics. And so that, for me, being an extrovert was so hard. Mm -hmm. It really was so, so hard. And I remember one, um, kind of one night, I was just so fed up. I came home from just a hard day of just being kind of made fun of and discouraged all day for not being able to speak Spanish. And I just remember saying to myself, that is it. From now on, I'm working so hard to learn the language. Um, And so I came up with a language plan. And I kind of, I made a schedule for every single day of what I would study that day. Um, As part of that schedule, I had review time. I would review what I studied the day before. I would go over some things that I learned the day before from maybe my companion or things I heard on the street. And you had to get up earlier because you I have woke a up. schedule. Yeah, and every single day I woke up at 5.30. Yeah. So as missionaries, we have a schedule and we're supposed to wake up at 6.30. That's the time that every missionary in the world wakes up. But I decided I would wake up at 5.30 and study for an extra hour every single day of the language. And let me just tell you, for a missionary, okay, for a young person, let alone, that's pretty yeah. difficult. 
Yeah. Um, because you're tired all day. You're working. You're outside walking. So it's not like you're resting all day, right? So, anyways, the sleep is very vital. You need sleep. But I was forcing myself to wake up at five thirty. I had that kind of determination because I was so sick of <laughs> of not knowing the language, and I just seriously studied so so hard. And I was able to learn the language very quickly, in my opinion. Yeah. And about six months in, a lot of missionaries six months in have the language, have a pretty good grasp on the language, and they mm-hmm. can speak it pretty well. But I felt seriously, I don't want to brag or anything, but six <laughs> months in, I was like, I am so good at Spanish, <laughs> and that's so I, obviously I don't want to brag, but I attribute that to part in part my hard work. I seriously. So that was, that's part one. That's the hard work. It's the determination, the, the immersion. Part two is the gift of tongues. I seriously believe um, that God definitely helps us, gives us the gift to be able to learn a language so quickly. Mm-hmm. He knows that what we're doing is we're learning this language so that we'll be able to share his gospel and spread um, a very good message and help others to kind of come unto Christ. And so God definitely helps us. Our Heavenly Father loves us. And um, so, yeah, as, def- as missionaries doing a good thing, having righteous desires, he absolutely blesses us with what I call the gift of tongues. Not what I call, but everyone calls the gift of tongues. And so it's such a blessing to see that in your life as a missionary. Well said. Well said, son. So I, um, I served in Germany, and I remember telling, I don't know if Trey remembers this, but I remember telling him it takes just about six months. You do have to work hard, and any extra effort you put in will, will be rewarded. I, I just want to say how fun it is, and I think that you'll experience this tap and looking forward to it. But you wake up one day about five, six months in, and you realize you've had a dream in your language, that you've been dreaming all night in German. And I just remember jumping out of bed thinking, I've arrived, you know what I mean? And then you're able to, to go into someone's home, and you're able to, to have a conversation, and you don't fall asleep. Because yes. for the first three or four months, you're concentrating so hard on what are they saying, yes. you know? Anyway, so it's it's a great experience, and I love how you broke it down into those two those two aspects. Okay, next question. This is from Jen. When do they go? This is just a short answer. When do missionaries go on missions? Do you want to take that one tapped since you're about ready to leave? Oh, sure. So just sort of for basics, um, boys can go um, as soon as they've turned 18 years old. And for girls, it's as soon as they've turned 19, yes. if I'm not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so basically, it's generally after high school. Um, well, I think it's pretty much always after high school. And then some people like me, I did one year of college because I was just nervous about living away from home and I didn't want to jump that like that quickly into the deep end. And so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's really, um, there's no... Um, really need to leave at a specific time, but I think it's generally that you're eligible, basically. Eligible, yeah, yeah. from the ages like and 18, I think they, 19 to. And I don't think they've made adjustments over the years in yeah. the age of eligibility, and I think it has a lot to do with sort of just countries across the world. Like some mm-hmm. young men are required to yeah. to serve a military, you know, so they try to adjust it so that it works for the most number of young people across the world. So mm-hmm. yeah. good answer. Okay, next question. You ready? Do they get to request where they go? And I'll just take that one because the answer is no. Um, I will say that, though, when you fill out your application, you do fill out an online application. Um, and I think you get to choose. Well, I know this. You get, you get to mark the little box that says you would be interested in serving 
or learning yes. a foreign language. Is yes. that right? Because yeah, some people right. don't want right. to yeah. learn a foreign language. So you get you do get to check that box. It doesn't mean that you'll automatically receive a, a call requiring you to learn a language, but you do get to say that. Um, okay, number three. I've heard men are required to go on missions, but women get to choose. If true, so is that true? First of all, in our church, the men ha- holds the priesthood. Yeah, um, and take. so it's kind of a duty of priesthood holders to serve a mission. Um, definitely, it's just, I think it's an expectation because right. I think with holding the well, priesthood yeah. comes the duty of missionary work. And that doesn't, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean you have to serve a mission. There's lots of different ways of doing missionary work. But definitely. young men are definitely expected. Absolutely encouraged. There is a little bit of a discrepancy there. Or discrepancy, is that the right word? I mean, just that young women, they certainly are not discouraged. No. In fact, they're in, encouraged. they're encouraged as well. Yeah. 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 I always wanted to serve from the time I was very young. And that was just always something I knew And are I you kidding me? The, the female missionaries are the strongest missionaries Sister, I yeah. know. Yeah. So. And so that's a fun little point, too. So... So men are referred to as elder. Elder is actually an office in the priesthood. That's the office of the priesthood that they hold, that they're ordained to before they serve a mission. So elder, is that's why you see all their name badges. Right. That's why I have two elder so Julians elder Julian. sitting. Yeah. yeah. And then sister. So I was referred to as sister or Schwester auf Deutsch, Schwester <laughs> Hall on, on my mission. So very good question. Um, next question is, it sounds scary being in a foreign country, yeah, yeah or a different state, <laughs> knocking on random doors. Do they get scared? <laughs> Want to take that one? <laughs> okay. So, yes. I mean, <laughs> at times, at times, but definitely um, just especially as a missionary, just knowing that Heavenly Father kind of has your back um, mm. and that you are super protected. And so definitely on my mission, I did have kind of moments when I was like, mm, I'm not in the safest place right now. But I also just the whole time just felt so protected and safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it can be a little bit scary, um, especially since I served in um, some parts of the world, um, in some parts of Mexico that are kind of known for a lot of drug trafficking and things like that. But yes, it can be scary, and it's also, at the same time, not scary. So Yeah, and I'll add to that, Taft, for you, because for me, and again, the language in the beginning is a barrier, you know, and so that adds mm-hmm. to the, you know, and, and when, in Germany, we actually would set up, um, we would go to kind of the middle of a square, you know, in a city, and we would approach people on the street. So the first several times that you do that, for the first few weeks, yeah, it's scary. But you know what's so cool? Um, and I'm looking right into Taft's eyes as I tell this, because yes, this is, is, like, you realize how amazing people are. Like, yeah. as soon as you've done it a handful of times, you're like, I want to go talk to that person, because it gives you a reason. And that's one of the reasons I remember, I remember loving just having that missionary badge on. Like, it's licensed to just go talk to people, and people are so interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? They have, it's just, and I love that, and half the, well, not half the time, but, you know, sometimes you don't end up talking about, you know, your message per se, but you just get to know human beings. And that is such a gift. And so it kind of compensates for the fear. And pretty soon you're like, you know what? Totally outweighs the fear. I'm totally going to go talk to that person. Okay, Trey, this one is specifically for you. What was your worst experience? That's one question. And then what was your best experience? Maybe you can just share those side by side. Okay. It's going to be so hard to pick a best experience just because there's so many good experiences, but it's so easy to pick a worst experience. (laughs) So 
Um, like I said, I was in a couple areas that it was definitely a little bit sketchy. Some areas that were known pretty well uh, for, for drug trafficking, right? And kind of gang activity and things like that. I was in that area, definitely sketchy. We had bicycles. Um, and we were in a part of town that we were told never to go. <laughs> oh. But... <laughs> We thought, being the dumb young people that we are, that we would be totally fine because it was broad daylight. It was like 12 p.m. Yeah. Um, sun was high in the sky, and we were thinking, come on, what's yeah. the worst that can happen? Also, we had a person that we were teaching lessons to um, in that part of the neighborhood, so we were like, okay, well, we're, we, we have to sacrifice to be able to teach him, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, okay, it was pretty dumb. But anyways... <laughs> So we're going through this neighborhood, broad daylight, riding our bicycles, and this man on the side of the road kind of waved to us, and he looked like a little bit sketchy, but we didn't want to judge, right? We were like, okay, well, we talked to everybody. We're missionaries. So we we stop on the side of the road. He had the cutest little dog I've ever seen in my life. Like, literally such a cute little puppy. Um, It had blue eyes. (laughs) Anyways, you don't care about the puppy. But um, I was looking down at the puppy, and he was like, yeah, I will totally give you guys this puppy. I'll sell it to you. And we're like, okay, mm, no, that's okay. And he goes, no, really, 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 I'll sell it to you. And in that moment, I felt something weird. And I remember in that moment, I got pushed in the back. And I turned around. And there was two, they're called cholos, yeah. <laughs> right? But they're gangsters, you could say. Um, with hockey masks on, um, holding machetes in my face there's two of them (laughs) and so i'm i I don't know it was it was so weird because it didn't hit me at first and i was like what's going on then i turned back to the guy who had the puppy and he now has a hockey mask on and he's holding a machete in my face as well so there's three cholos who were you know mugging me and my companion and they're pushing us and they're stabbing us with their poking us with their machetes and slapping us and trying to get in your pockets and so freaky freaky experience they're trying to get in our pockets right getting our phone and things like that getting our wallets um and the worst part is (laughs) it's so hard to admit this for me but it was so dumb i had my rent (laughs) money so obviously the rent for the house that we stayed in so very bad that i had that in me going to this dangerous neighborhood but anyways the good thing is that the Cholos did not get the wallet, which I'm not sure why they didn't. He totally shoved his hand in that pocket that had my wallet in it, but it's almost like he didn't feel it, and so he didn't pull anything out. These guys are mugging us, right, taking our our bikes and everything, and this car, this truck, comes swerving around the corner. Imagine that. (laughs) And they pull, and the guys, the Cholos, go, oh, shoot, we gotta go. So they hop on our bikes, and they ride off. And this truck pulls up to me, and they go, hey, did those guys just take your bikes? And yeah. we're like, yeah, they did. Please help us. And they're like, okay, we will. And they go, <laughs> they swerve <laughs> off chasing the bikes. But anyways, they couldn't catch up and they came back to us and said, sorry about that. We couldn't get the guys. Anyways, we were just so <laughs> like in shock. Grateful. We yeah, kind of just, yeah. first we were in shock and yeah. we stood there and we thought, <laughs> what just happened? What was that? Because that obviously had never happened. Second First feeling we had was shock and a little bit of fear and a little bit of, oh my gosh. Second feeling we had was absolute gratitude that we did not, first of all, lose our lives. Mm -hmm. Most important, we were okay. We were uninjured. You Mm -hmm. know, we were like maybe we got slapped and stuff. So that wasn't fun. 
and we still had our phones. Somehow they didn't take our phone. They didn't take our wallets, mm-hmm. which had our money in it and everything we needed. So only thing they took was our bikes, which we were like, come on. I mean, that's fine. We can get new bikes. But we were so overwhelmingly grateful uh, that obviously nothing worse happened. And so it was such a scary experience, but at the same time, such a cool experience that I wouldn't trade for the world. Yeah. So, so fun to be able and to tell that story. And the mother doesn't hear about it until it's all <laughs> over. Yes. <laughs> but seriously, so, so fun. What a fun experience. Best experience I had, obviously, like I said, I can't name one experience. I had so many experiences and just being able to share my testimony and, um, Share the message of Jesus Christ and his gospel was so special to me. And so, can't pick one. Well, just for me, though, because I love the one you were talking about, Cholos. You met a, a young man who had, who had a former life as kind oh, of a gangster. Yes. And then just tell me briefly about how he, you know, the gospel changes people's lives. You know, when they come to realize who they are, you know, and the potential that they have. I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth. I don't mean to do no, that. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, met this guy, baptized when he was eight. His father uh, was a member. His mother was a member. His mother died. Um, So obviously super sad for him. It kind of put him in depression. And he started getting into drugs and gangs. Became kind of a cholo. You know, he walked around with machete and things like that. He started dating this girl. They got obviously pretty serious. And so he kind of forgot about the church. Forgot about the gospel and things like that. But for whatever reason, he always had... Um, the Book of Mormon with him at all times because he just had this memory from his childhood of liking that book and just a warm feeling when he saw the book and so obviously he never read it but he always had it in his house so one day his girlfriend asks about the book and she goes why do you always have this book what is this and he goes well it's you know don't worry about it it's for it's my church that I'm a member of since I was eight but don't worry about it. no no big deal and the girlfriend didn't really care she's like okay fine whatever but then the girlfriend gets a disease. Yeah. Um, where she lost a all crazy her fingers. Infection that eats some her kind of fingers. infection. I'm not entirely sure. Anyways, well, and I think it's just healthcare wasn't yeah. you know, what it is here. Well, yeah, and definitely. So, yeah. Definitely. And so she lost all her fingers. She lost her legs. She was in a wheelchair, obviously, um, without fingers. <laughs> she had like the palms and, of her and hands. And her, her legs at her knees. Her legs at her knees, yes. Um, and so that kind of threw him off, you know, for another loop. Cause he's like, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> what just happened to my girlfriend? But he was like, I love this girl. I can't even, you know, whatever happened, I can't leave her. And so he, it kind of, I'm sure that totally internally changed him, changed his heart a little bit. Yeah. And maybe he came to the realization at that point, like maybe I should stop being a trollo. Maybe I got to stop doing drugs. And it did. He told us that. So anyways, got him started in the process of stopping doing drugs. The girlfriend then, obviously, she had a huge humility, change of heart, right? Mm -hmm. And so then she started reading the book. Because I'm sure she's like, I have nothing else to do. Anyways, she starts reading the Book of Mormon and having all these questions. And so she would ask him and he would be like, I don't know how to answer these questions. It's been so long. I literally know nothing about this church anymore. Anyways, long story short... Um, you were able to teach we were able to teach them help them and now they are so 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 just happy completely different people give me the picture and i will put it in the show notes because it's they're just seriously the cutest family they have a little boy 
right? No, little girl. Little girl. And she's the cutest little girl. Cutest little girl. So cute. So it is just, I mean, it's just, you know, our church or any church, really. I mean, it's when you invite gospel principles, true principles into your life and you live them, you're blessed. You know what I mean? And yeah. you totally saw that, just that, just the light of the gospel re-enter their life and change who they were and how they felt about each Absolutely. other and their goals as a family. And that's... That was my favorite, one of my favorite things to teach as a missionary is the power that the the gospel has to change people. Mm -hmm. Because of Jesus Christ, we have the power to change and repent. And that's so, so cool to me. So now just while you're still there, the next question is how would you say your mission changed you? And these are all all questions that Jen asked on Instagram. (laughs) In so many ways. I mean, obviously I'm just more mature. Like, I don't know how to explain it. But anyways, uh, definitely... Being in a part of the world uh, that is so different from the part of the world that I live in (laughs) and just living in places where I didn't have running water and I showered with a bucket every single day, um, just things like that definitely showed me kind of, I don't know, but it's humility, right? Mm -hmm. So definitely changed me in that aspect and I will never forget uh, those experiences that I had. And also meeting the people there and also I just... As missionaries, we leave on the mission with the goal to teach others and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others and help others gain the testimony of Jesus Christ. But what happens is we do that, we help others, but also we help ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) And that sounds so weird, but I came back from my mission with a testimony of Jesus Christ that is so much stronger than the one that I had before I left. And I love the gospel and I love Jesus Christ with all my heart and I know with all my heart that Heavenly Father loves us so much and so those are things that you know I knew before the mission but after the mission I know them so much more and I don't know how to explain it but that's just it's just is what happens and so I don't know how to talk about how it's changed me other than that so so changed, very changed. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, sweetheart. Okay, Taft, I'm going to ask you kind of parallel questions now. What do you think is going to be the worst experience, or what are you most, like, oh, maybe... Apprehensive about. Apprehensive about. Good word. Thank you, yeah. And then what are you most excited about? We'll go to that point. Okay. Most apprehensive about? I don't know. I mean, like Trey said, I, I study, I've studied some Spanish, and so I think I'm hoping that the language will come a little quicker to me just because I, I have a basis. And I think part, one of the hardest things is getting over just the basis of the language. So yeah. I think the hardest part for me will just be opening up to people because I'd struggle with that in English. So I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, <laughs> I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being, having the courage to just, I mean, I, I know for myself that this church is true and that if you're willing to open up to it, it will be the best thing ever to happen to you. Um, but I just don't know if I'll have the courage to just stand up in, in front of someone else and, and tell them that because it's kind of, sure that it's be. hard. And you, it's just, I'm always worried about how they'll react or yeah. if they'll be offended. No, you'll do fine. It comes with time. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I guess that's what I'm worried about. And then I'm just most excited about probably just the people because every time... A missionary comes home. They always say, "Oh, what's your favorite part?" And they're like, "Oh, you will not believe the people." I just I met. fell in love with the people I of Peru. I fell in love with the or, people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just know that I'll meet so many 
yes. amazing people and they'll all, they'll all teach me lessons and that's how I'll grow. I'm excited to meet the people and I yeah. guess through that I'm excited to grow. And you guys have grow. Facebook now. I'm sorry, but when I came home, there was no Facebook. So you literally <laughs> like, I have friends, yeah. you know, in other, like across, you know, in the other side of the world in Europe. But I didn't, uh, you know, I, th- I think I've already seen Trey, you know, keeping in touch with people that he met, which is super, super cool. So Taft, real quick, mm-hmm. how do you think it will change you? Oh. The mission experience. I mean, with any luck, the same way it changed Trey. I hope I'll come back more, more mature yeah. and more just less less worried about what other people think. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I just think it'll open me up and, yeah, open me up to more growth. Yeah. I love it. Okay, just real quick, I have an experience that I want to share with you. Um, and, and you're reminded what you said about, you know, just having the courage to, to maybe share a message with people. This is what I learned. My mission probably changed me the most in terms of the power of serving other people. So when I first got to Germany, couldn't speak the language at all. I had a great, we call them a senior companion. You know, they've been there longer than you have. They can speak more. And we were trying to get into these big apartment buildings in Germany. You had to ring the bell down at the bottom in the main door and hope that someone would let you up so that you could climb the stairs and then knock on the doors, you know, and come back down. I never really knew what my companion was going to say when she rang the the doorbell and someone would answer. She would say something different. And I was trying to learn how to be a missionary. I'm like, well, how does she know what to say, you know? And at this, she rang the door in this one building and a woman's voice came on and, you know, kind of like exasperated, you know, what do you want? And she said, we want to come help you. And the woman's like, you want to come help me? And she's like, we do. We want to come help you. And I'm thinking to myself, what is she saying, you know? Anyway, she lets us in and we climb these four, you know, flights of stairs to the top of this apartment building. And this young, exasperated mother opens the door and she's got a baby in her hand and a baby, a toddler on the floor. And her house is a disaster. And, um, and she said, you know, <laughs> I was like, what are we going to do now? You know? And, and we walked in and she just, my companion was just so natural the way she did it. She said, let me take that baby for you. And she took the baby and, and you know, and handed the baby to me and I sat down and we went into her kitchen and her kitchen was, there was just, it was a mess. And we just started cleaning the kitchen and washing the dishes. And she even, she said, she said, do you mind if we sing, uh, you know, sing you a song? And we sang, you know, just like a couple hymns, which I didn't sing very good because I didn't know the words yet, but I was just holding the baby. And we were there for about an hour and we totally cleaned her house. And she, you know, the apartment wasn't huge. It was just like, you know, a one room. And anyway, we, we just left it clean and, and we got done. And, and I thought, I'm thinking the whole time, okay, well now we got to leave this message that we leave because we're missionaries, you know? And she just gave her a hug and we left and walked downstairs and walked out. And I remember just feeling so amazing inside. But I turned to my companion and I said, aren't we supposed to leave a message? Like, aren't we supposed to like preach the gospel? And she turned to me and she said, we just did. And I just was like, that's awesome. That is awesome. She said, we just did. That's the very best message you can leave, you know? And so I loved by the, you know, by the end of my mission, you know, and and there's days where you're exhausted and you're, you're just overwhelmed but I would just get up and, and look in the mirror and be like all I got to do is go find people and just help them feel better and just talk to them about the things that really matter and try and share something with them that will uplift them today and I thought that's so great I don't have to worry about myself it's so great and at that you know the age that you are right now there's a lot of self-focus you know that's kind of what the world teaches you to do and you have this opportunity to go and just think about other people mm-hmm. so that's how my mission changed me Okay, so I'm going to ask just two more questions because these are good and these are questions that I think a lot of people are like. <laughs> so do you have to wear your uniform 
when you have downtime. So maybe Trey, you can take that. Do you have downtime and do you have to wear your uniform? Uh, what's downtime? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, geez, good question. Every Monday, or I guess in some missions it switches. But anyways, for me it was Monday. We have something called P-Day, which is preparation day. And it's the, it's the day that, it's not a break for us, but it's the day that we get to do laundry, clean our house. Go shopping. Go shopping, groceries. Also write maybe play letter. some sports. Oh yeah, write your mom a letter. Yep. So things like that. Um, and then obviously we do also um, proselyte after 6 p.m. So it's not like the full day, right? Yeah. But anyways, on that day while we're cleaning the house and things like that, yes, we can wear like normal clothes. We don't have to be in our suits. And obviously, we don't sleep in our suits and things like that. So when we're alone in our homes with our companions, we do not have and to actually, be in our And actually, where do you time. sleep? Do yeah, you good question. So, that? oh gosh, it's because it's different in every mission. But in my mission, uh, we sleep in just houses or apartments that we can find. And the mission actually rents them. And so, but I know in some missions, you the missionaries maybe like sleep in the house of a member mm-hmm. if the member can yeah, offer sometimes, a space yeah, or Sometimes you like live that, in a so. basement of someone's house or just you right. lived above a, a family actually had a business preparing food and you lived for yeah. a, a short time. You lived above their in restaurant. Their, uh, uh, yeah, above their kitchen. Yeah, so yeah. that was cool. Definitely. And too. so Taft, it'll be interesting, you know, mm-hmm. just the different situations. We always lived in a, yeah, in a super small apartment that, you know, that the church rented and then we pay for our missions. Um, you know, we're not paid. You're not paid as missionaries. You actually volunteer to pay for the mission. And I think right now it's just a, it's the same price no matter where you serve. Because obviously yes. a mission in Peru yeah, does not the cost same. the same as a mission in Japan. But everyone who serves a mission pays um, the same. The same. Right, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's one for you, Taft. You ready for this one? Okay. Where do you use the bathroom if you're out calling in the neighborhoods? Where are you going to go? That is a good question. <laughs> do you hold it? <laughs> as long as you can. Where's he going to use the bathroom, Trey? Trey, Jeez. wait, that's a question for Trey. This might be embarrassing. No, but I had so many funny experiences uh, with this, especially in Mexico where we're not so used to the food and we eat a lot of weird things. Sometimes there's emergencies without getting into the details. Without <laughs> getting, getting too graphic. But um, I do, there are a couple times that was so, so funny to me where we would knock a door and they would open and my companion would say, please let us into your house. I need to use your bathroom, please. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was just so, so funny. Just We had a couple experiences like that. But if, if you just need to go pee pee, you know, yeah. a lot of people are really, really nice. So if you just open their door and you kind of talk to them and just say, hey, by the way, can I also use the bathroom? They would, they would they let, let you, at you least in, in Mexico. And there's public, public restrooms? Also, yeah, if you, well, in Mexico. There's not not really. so much? No, not really. Because gas stations oh. don't have. But anyways. Oh. Um, and also, uh, maybe I shouldn't admit this to the public, but definitely, <laughs> like, if it was nighttime and we were in kind of a more... Um, secluded area oh <laughs> i would just go on the side of the road <laughs> sorry you might want to edit that out but uh <laughs> i'm leaving that in are you but um yeah, yeah no so definitely a lot of people are very nice and they'll let you in and if you're listening to this and a missionary ever knocks on your door and they ask for the bathroom please just let them they're not gonna like or even if they don't, just be like, do you, do you guys offer? Need to yes, <laughs> offer. Just say, hey, by the way, missionaries, like, do you want to use do my bathroom? <laughs> and I can almost guarantee you they'll say yes because they need to. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Okay, what about emergency support 
fallback if an emergency arises in lieu of your parents? Why don't you talk a little bit, Taft, even though you haven't experienced it yet? Do you know? I have no idea. Who, who, yeah, I mean, so you actually will have a mission president. Oh, well, I know that. So, yeah. Um, I mean, and I know we have phones and... Absolutely. And so, I mean, it's not it's not super complicated, but obviously in any emergency, um, you would call your mission president and they could get in with local authorities and they could just get in touch with anyone you might need. And, yeah. Um, They're yeah. very well connected and it's yeah. super, super organized. Mission, oh, yeah. You know, the mission president, yes, he actually very... serves with his wife and she generally isn't the mission mission president's wife seems like she's kind of over the yeah the so normally the, exactly yeah nutrition. so she kind of does the health care the safety nutrition exactly things like that i mean it's really really organized every single mission has a mission president mission president's wife then there's zones so different areas of the mission are zones and there are zone leaders um inside the zones there are districts there are district leaders and then obviously inside the districts are the missionaries so I got to serve as a district leader and also as a zone leader. A like zone reporting. leader and You're his just... zone leader companion yeah. in a big zone with like 18 different missionaries. And so if there's an emergency, you call your zone leader. And the zone leader, you know, calls mission president. And so it's so, so organized. There is a process to everything. And never once did I feel like, oh my gosh, nobody knows what they're doing. So that's not a thing that I ever had to worry about. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay, you guys, one more question. Thank you for being with me, hanging in there this whole time. So last question is, and I think this is such a good one. What can we do, and this is also, um, this is Janie. I should have told you who these questions were from, but this is Janie, and I love this question. What can we do to be helpful and friendly if they, meaning LDS missionaries, come to our door? She says, I happily have my own church but I support their efforts to witness to others. I also chat it up when I bump into missionaries at the grocery store or Target, etc. They never fail to be um, the most friendly, warm, delightful people. But what can someone who's not interested in learning, you know, about maybe specifically the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but wants to support you other than letting you use her your bathroom. Yeah, so <laughs> important. So important. Please. <laughs> but I'm curious, you know, I have I have thoughts, but just I'll let you guys both take a stab at this and then we'll wrap it up. What do you think, Taff? You go first. Oh, okay. Um Okay, I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think about it while I talk. Yeah. So anyways, first thing I would say is give them snacks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, but if you, but really though, if you had like fruit snacks or something, like that. <laughs> stop! You're cracking me up right now. Okay, but actually, on a very serious level, a missionary's goal, strongest desire, what we dream about <laughs> is to be able to share our testimonies and just tell someone the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All a missionary wants to do is just testify of Jesus Christ and of everything that he said and did for us and that is all the missionary wants to do so the best most important thing that you could do is just listen just you know it doesn't have to be very long either just let them know i have 10 minutes yeah go and they will they'll they i promise will give you a very um good you know they'll testify but anyways that is all the missionary wants to do and it's not so there's no pressure obviously no commitment if you want to just tell them look i have a church i have my faith and i'm very strong in my faith but yeah go ahead and share your testimony and they will be very respectful to your beliefs all they want to do is share (laughs) something about jesus and believe me it's so so heartbreaking as a missionary 
if you go even half a day without being able to share that testimony, it's like it breaks your heart and that's all you want to do and you just want to get to the top of a mountain and scream it so that somebody <laughs> might hear it. Um, and so just give them kind of opportunity to do that. And definitely, um, like they said in the question, talk to them. It's so fun for a missionary to just talk to someone. And yeah, where are you people. from? And I'm going to say oh, right now. Ask them where they're from. That's such a fun question yeah. for a missionary because they love saying, mm, I'm from Washington. Ooh, I'm from, you know what I'm saying? So it's fun. <laughs> well, and I'll say what I've started to do when I run into missionaries is I, um, I ask for their mother's phone number because now I've been the mother of four missionaries. Oh. And it's so incredible just, you'll just be about your day doing your normal stuff and all of a sudden you get a text message from an unknown number and it is a picture of your child somewhere in the world. And you just fall to the floor <laughs> and start crying because it's the best feeling ever. So cool, yeah. Like someone, So if you ever run into LDS missionaries or you know anybody else who's doing something in the world that's good, just say, hey, what's your mom's cell phone number? And you type it in and you take a picture of them and you send it to their mom. Oh my gosh, that would, they would love that. <laughs> Are you kidding? That would make their day. For sure. But, but I do think you make a very good point is that you can just kind of share oh. an uplifting message. Just yeah. allow them to share an uplifting message. Because I think, you know, as Christians and people of any faith, you know, I love learning about other people's faith. Yeah. And you can always, you just can walk away with a better understanding of someone and just a stronger sense of the, the shared humanity that we, that we enjoy on this earth. So, okay, Taft, do you have a thought now? What you I want guess someone I to do? I was just thinking, one of the things I've heard of heard about is um as a missionary we have a certain amount of service hours we need yes. to complete each week you do and so let's say you run to the missionaries and you really you don't you don't even want to listen you could just say my garden in the back is full of weeds yeah i do not want to pick weeds and the missionaries will we'll just, do you know, it we'll just yeah. They will help we'll, you. Yes. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Don't even be ashamed or shy or yeah, anything. Just say, look, I need this done, job. do it. And they'll straight up do it. Part, part of the reason we're out there is just to serve others. Mm -hmm. Just to, for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Just to have that experience of just, you know, what if yeah. we just took And if some you know and, someone, that's another good point. If you know someone who needs help moving, if you know someone yeah. who just needs help, like you say, you know, with a project at their house, you literally can call the missionaries and say, I've, I've got an opportunity for you to serve. So mm -hmm. that's a great idea. Nice job, Taft. Way to fill that in. Okay, you guys are fabulous. I love you. I'm so happy that Trey, I will say one more thing. Oh my goodness, I keep talking. I've known pretty much um, for most of my motherhood years that these two boys, their missions, if they chose to serve, would overlap, meaning Trey would leave and then Taft would leave before Trey came home. Mm -hmm. So I will say that one of the happiest bits of COVID-19 for me is the fact, I know that you feel, you know, gypped a little bit. You had to come home early. But it's been so fun to have you home together. Yeah. And the fact that you've learned uh, Spanish, you're fluent in Spanish, and Taft is desiring to learn and become more fluent. It's just been really great yeah. to see you together, and I'm so excited. So Taft, tomorrow's the big day. You will be set apart um, oh, yeah. and will become official. And put that badge on. <laughs> yeah, so um, wear it with pride. Remember, you have the name of the Savior on your chest, and go and do uh, and go do do good things. Make your mama proud. Okay, thanks, guys. Love you. Love you. Wow. If you are still here, <laughs> I definitely consider you a loyal listener and dear friend. 
So I'm going to confess to you that part of the motivation behind this podcast is just to record episodes like this with, you know, with people that I love and admire the most of anyone. And how fun was that for a mom to sit down with those two boys captive um, and a microphone and know that I have that conversation recorded. So it was a little bit longer episode. Um, I just appreciate that you're here, that you're listening. I've put all kinds of interesting facts and photos and links in the show notes if you want to check those out at stacyjulian.com. I'll definitely be posting updates about Taft's mission to my blog from time to time, and hopefully those updates will be eventually coming from the country of Peru. You guys have a fantastic week. I will be back next Thursday with another episode of Exactly Enough Time. 